0: There's a word from the Lord found in Acts, Acts chapter 12, Acts the 12th chapter. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. and I'm going to read a great portion of scripture uh, today, a story that I want to bring forth to you all this afternoon. There are some studies that say only 2% of acclaimed Christians read their Bible, and so we're going to make that up. We're going to make up for that a little bit today. So that you could go home and say, I read the Bible today. It's cool. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but as long as you have a Bible, you should be okay. When you have it, could you please say amen? Verse 1 says About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. And this took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church was praying. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fasting with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. And the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did, now put your coat. And put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do with me. Verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church earnestly prayed for him. While Peter was locked up, the church was praying. And I want to talk about there's power in prayer. You ain't got to touch your neighbor. Just fist bump them real quick and tell them there's power in prayer. Encourage somebody else and tell them, I don't know what you're up against, but there's power in prayer. Encourage yourself out loud. Tell yourself there's power in prayer. Here at this location just on Wednesday afternoon, our senior pastor, Pastor Johnson, preached a sermon as we begin our fasting season, he preached a sermon about what God expects from us during our fasting, the type of fasting that God expects. He preached seven points in 30 minutes, and one of those points that he delivered was about how our fasting and our praying should go beyond our personal situation, that our fasting and our praying should extend to our family and our church family and our community, to our city, to our country, to this world, that when you and I begin to grow in our faith and mature as a believer, we should move beyond selfish prayers and into what we like to call intercessory prayer, where you go to God on the behalf of somebody else. There's power in in intercessory prayer. In fact, the Bible was clear on this. There's so many stories that teach us this lesson. For instance, when Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus, got sick, the Bible says that the sisters went to Jesus on behalf of their sick brother. And because Mary and Martha participated in intercessory prayer, Jesus showed up and was able to bring a miracle to that situation. It was also uh, Jairus who had a daughter that got sick, and the Bible says that Jairus left the house in search for Jesus, and Jairus went to Jesus on behalf of his sick daughter and family, and when Jesus showed up to the house, he was able to bring transformation into that household. It's the power of intercessory prayer. It's almost like when that man who was paralyzed and his four friends carried him on the mat to get to the Lord's house where the Lord was teaching and preaching and it was so packed that they couldn't get in the traditional way. They couldn't get in the front door, but those four friends had enough faith to carry their friend to a higher level on top of the roof, tear that roof apart, lower their friend down in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw the faith, not of the paralyzed man, but the faith of the friends, when Jesus saw the faith of the friends, Jesus healed that man, and the man that came to the house being carried on the mat left the house carrying the very thing that was once carrying him because he had some homies around him that understood the power of intercessory prayer. Here's a question that I want to ask for you today is this. Is your faith strong enough that when you pray, somebody else can get a healing, somebody else can get a breakthrough, somebody else can get a blessing? Is your faith strong enough for you to intercede on somebody else's behalf. One of my favorite stories in all of scripture is found in the Old Testament. It teaches us the importance of intercessory prayer. It's about a young man by the name of Lot who lived in this wicked city called Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was so wicked that God had plans on destroying the entire city. And so God revealed his plan to Abraham. Abraham and God were so cool that God revealed to Abraham what God was about to do into Sodom and Gomorrah. He told Abraham that this city is so wicked, I'm going to send fire from the heavens to destroy this wicked city. And that hurt Abraham so much so because Abraham had a nephew named Lot. Lot, the young man that lived in the city, was Abraham's nephew. And so Abraham was so torn with the plans that God had for Sodom and Gomorrah that Genesis chapter 18 shows us that and that Abraham began to intercede on Lot's behalf. He went to God and asked God, God, if there's 50 righteous people in the city. Would you save this city? Would you destroy this city if there was 50 righteous people? And God responded by saying, Abraham, if I find 50 righteous people in the city, I ain't going to touch Sodom and Gomorrah. And they went back and forth all the way down to 10. Abraham said, God, if there's 10 people, 10 righteous people in the city, would you destroy this city? And God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, he said, if I find 10 righteous people in the city, I ain't going to touch Sodom and Gomorrah. i I'm going to leave it alone. Well, uh, God mustn't find ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. But before he sent fire from on high and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says that God sent two angels in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah to bring out Lot and his entire family. Now, here is Lot saved from the destruction that everybody else died in, and it had nothing to do with his fasting, it had nothing to do with his prayer life, it had nothing to do with his worship, but everything to do with the fact that Lot had an uncle in Abraham that went to God on his behalf. I don't know about you, but I'm a living witness that intercessory prayer works. You ain't gotta touch your neighbor, but just look down your road, and that's living proof that there's power in intercessory prayer. Matter of fact, when you and I get committed, consistent, and connected to the house of God, it's a guarantee that somebody is praying for you. When you make a commitment to the local body of believers, it's a guarantee that you gonna show up on somebody's prayer list. Matter of fact, The Bible lets us know Paul wrote to the church in Rome and told the church in Rome that when you are connected to the body of believers, you can guarantee that the Holy Spirit is praying for you because all of us have been in those moments where life gets so hard, we don't even know what to pray for. We just fall on our knees and no words come out. Well, Paul said you ain't got to worry about it because the Holy Spirit will take your groans and your moans and your grumblings up to the heavens and before a word comes out of your mouth, your needs are already met because you got a Holy Spirit that intercedes on your behalf. Matter of fact, not only do we have a spirit that's praying for us, but the Bible lets us know that we have a Savior that is praying for us. That before Jesus made his way to Calvary, he prayed to the Heavenly Father, God, I pray that they might be one. Matter of fact, when his disciple Peter was dealing with demons, Jesus told Peter, don't worry about it, bro. I pray for you. I pray that your faith won't fail. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews lets us know that that our Jesus, our Savior, is on the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I, praying for you and I. That's why I don't get when church folk walk away from the church. I don't get it when people say, you ain't got to go to church to be a Christian. Don't you know that when you turn your back on the church, you turning your back on the prayers of the Spirit? Don't you know that when you turning your back on the church, you turning your back on the prayers of the Savior, I don't know about you, but I need all the prayers that I can get. Because if there's power in our prayers, then how much more is there power when Jesus is praying for you? As a matter of fact, as I reflect on a 100 years with Eastern Star Church and as we continue to celebrate the legacy of the black church, I just can't help but think that not only do we have the Spirit and the Savior praying for us, but don't you know if we can be honest, we are living in the prayers of our ancestors that not only do we have the Spirit and the Savior praying for us, but I believe that we have a great cloud of witnesses that have been praying for us for centuries at a time. Matter of fact, when it was illegal for our Ancestors to have church without white supervision, they still had enough faith to pray for those that came after them. They said to God, God, I pray that there will be a movement that will get together that will celebrate not just what God has done for our people, but speak truth to power. That when it was our ancestors, when it was illegal for them to read and write, they still had enough faith to pray for their descendants that we would graduate from somebody's school. That when it was illegal for us to vote, we still had ancestors that pray for their descendants that they will don't just complain on the internet but they will wake that butt up off the couch and make their way to somebody's voting booth to cast a vote that will help change their community when it was illegal for our ancestors to walk into a white business they had enough faith to pray that their descendants will become entrepreneurs themselves and if you can be honest the only reason why you have what you have and drive what you drive and the degrees that you hold, is all because you had somebody praying for you. Matter of fact, you ain't even got to go through your black history book. You can just testify about your own life, that when you was out of fellowship with God, out of money, out of your mind, out of sense, it wasn't just your savior praying for you, but your grandmama prayed for you. Quit playing. Your mama prayed for you. Don't act like you had a prayer life this whole time, but when you didn't have enough sense to pray for yourself, somebody in your village Village, got down on their knees and said your name in the presence of the Lord. Is there anybody in the room that is grateful for the power of prayer? Okay. Uh your neighbor didn't say amen. Let me see if I can get them real quick. Uh Oh, LeBron James, he's been in the league now 17 years. Ain't that crazy? 17 years LeBron James has been in the league at 35 years old. He's still taking his game to a whole nother level. But this year, this year, he's not leading the league in scoring. This year, he's not leading the league in rebounding. This year, he is leading the league in assists. They say that LeBron James is the best point guard in the league because he's averaging 10 assists a game. And he's leading the Lakers to the best record in the Western Conference, the toughest conference out of the two conferences. And because LeBron James has evolved his game to a whole nother level, he is now leading the league in assist. Uh, You know what assist is, don't you? Uh, um, An assist isn't when you score. An assist is when you help somebody else to score. An assist isn't when you just pass the ball, but an assist is when you put somebody else in position to score. LeBron James has matured in his game so much That he understands I don't have to score for us to get the victory but if I put enough people in position to score we all gonna experience a W and matter of fact we need to all have a LeBron James mindset because an assist of the basketball court is like an accessory prayer to the kingdom of God don't you know that your family needs your assist don't you know that your coworker needs your assist don't you know that our community needs your assist how many of us got enough faith to know that if we go to God, we ain't just got to pray for ourselves, but we can intercede on somebody else's behalf. Do I have a witness in this place? And this is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 12. Here is our homeboy, Peter, the apostle, the disciple. He's in prison. And the reason why Peter is in prison is because the Bible says that King Herod has turned up the persecution against the church. Now the church is dealing with heavy social political persecution, all under the influence of King Herod. King Herod has killed James, another apostle, another disciple, John's brother, and now he's arrested Peter, and he has plans on killing Peter after the Passover celebration. He's arrested Peter. Peter is in prison. Now the church is dealing with all kind of hell. These are people who are part of the church. These are people who've given their life to Christ. These are people who's connected to the body. But even with all of that, they're still going through persecution, social, political persecution, spiritual persecution, all because of King Herod. King Herod was a a puppet king under the power of Rome. He, He looked over the Jewish region, Jerusalem. And now King Herod, with all of his power, he is passing policies that brought joy to one group of people and devastation to another group of people. Um, but before we move there, I want to help somebody understand who King Herod is. Because you see this name, King Herod, a few times in Scripture. But I want you to understand that this isn't the same King Herod that you've read about before. There, there's multiple King Herods. There was a King Herod that passed policy to to kill all of the Bethlehem boys, to kill all of the young boys of color three years and under just to get to Jesus. There was another King Herod that beheaded John the Baptist. After John the Baptist was going about speaking truth to power, King Herod beheaded John the Baptist. There was another King Herod that overseed the trial of Jesus as he made his way to Calvary. And here in Acts chapter 12, we see yet another King Herod who has killed James, who has arrested Peter. But y'all, this ain't the same King Herod. These are, these are different people, but they are the same family. It's the Herod family. Uh, this is the family that, that one generation after another that's been trying to kill preachers. uh these are different Herod's, but, but they have one thing in common. They hate preachers. This is a family that can't stand preachers. Now, this is in the first century Jerusalem under Roman Empire, but I dare to say that there are some families in the 21st century um, that can't stand preachers. They'll be trying to kill preachers. Like that group of family, the Herod's, they went after Jesus, went after John the Baptist, went after James, going after Peter, because they can't stand preachers. And there are families in the 21st century that populate our church. They can't stand preachers. Y'all ain't gotta say, man, I know I'm already preaching. Because y'all, I grew up in a preacher's household. And um, I, I'm, I'm a beneficiary of individuals and families who have a love for their pastor. I mean, there's been countless meals and I ain't even have to pay for from folk that I don't even know only because they had a love for their pastor. I've had VIP access to different events and activities and I've been able to experience and get exposure to a bunch of stuff, meet certain people, all because there were individuals and families who had a love for their pastor. And it only makes sense That if there are individuals and families who love and adore their pastor, it only makes sense that there are individuals and families who can't stand pastors, who can't stand preachers. They populate the church, they in the church, but the church ain't in them. That's why when you ask them what the preacher talk about, they can't tell you. But they can update you on the latest preaching scandal. They can tell you all the sins and the flaws of the preacher. That's why when the preacher asks to give, they always have an attitude. That's why when the preacher asks them to show up, they never show up. But always spreading rumors and participating in the gossips of the preacher. Because there's always a family in whatever generation that can't stand preachers. And this is what the church in Acts chapter 12 is dealing with, the Herod family. Here is another generation of Herods that can't stand preachers. But wait a minute, not just that, but here is a church that is experiencing another generation of an evil social political structure that has been designed to take their community out. Another generation. I told you about... King Herod the Great They tried to take out Jesus. Then one of his sons passed policy to take out John the Baptist. Now another grandson, a grandson is now passing policy to destroy the church. And the church in every generation was dealing with a new form of an evil social political structure. Every generation had to face a new evil in the political system. And and I can't help but make the parallel of the church in the first century under the influence of the Roman Empire with the black church in America under the influence of the United States government. That in every generation since we've been here in this country, we've had to face a new form of an evil social political system that has been designed to take our community out. you we ain't got enough time in the world To go into detail about each generation and the new system, the evil system that tried to take them out. We ain't got time to talk about the slave ships that transported 12 million slaves from West Coast of Africa to the East Coast of America. I don't have time to talk about the 2 million African bodies that still populate the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean because they'd rather die than to be a slave. I ain't got time to talk about Reconstruction and KKK and the Black Codes and the, new, and the Jim Crow that was designed to destroy our people that even after we were freed from the chains we were still oppressed through the system I ain't got time to talk about the Tuskegee experiment I ain't got time to talk about the lynching that after over 250 years they just now declare that lynching is a federal crime and then you still had a handful of politicians that voted against it claiming it to be government overreach. I don't have time to talk about the miseducation of our children where the suburbs have iPads and the hood got metal detectors. I ain't got time to talk about Black Wall Street where the federal government that community and then pass laws that had a negative impact on black communities like Indiana Avenue. I ain't got time to deal with the new Jim Crow that black folks make up 13% of the American population, but over 60% of the prison population. I don't have time to talk about the leaders that they stole from us. I don't have time to talk about all the black and brown young people that have been killed because of police brutality. They've been killed for driving while black, walking while black, living while black, eating ice cream while black, playing while black. But each generation had to face a new form of an evil social structure. But in 2020, we need a church like Acts chapter 12 that understand the power of prayer, that all the evil that's going on in the world. We need some saints in 2020 that just won't post about it but pray about it we need some people that understand that the prayers of the righteous avail much we need some people to understand that if we knock the door shall be open we need some people that understand if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves seek my face and pray turn from their wicked ways how many of you know that god will heal our land when we understand the power that comes with prayer Uh, uh, okay. Your neighbor didn't say amen. Let me see if I can get him real quick. Uh, uh, this used to happen all the time growing up. My younger cousin TJ is here. He'll testify. Growing up, we used to play in my parents' house. My parents had a basketball go outside their house. And, uh, I'm the oldest of four boys. And, uh, my, my youngest brother, Josiah, he's the tallest out of all of us now, but back then he was a, he was a little bro. And uh, whenever we would play basketball outside, um, little bro would come out in the house, talk about, can I play with y'all? You know, he, we, we the older brothers, he the little brother. No, you can't play with us. No, I, we ain't going to give you a shot. No, we ain't going to give you an opportunity. And uh, he was a victim of a system that denied him a shot and an opportunity. And so... Um, little, little bro, KJ. You know he had a he had a secret weapon. He knew how to get his way. Um, he will run into the house with a frown on his face, and then he will come out the house with a smile on his face. And so now he comes out and he faces the system that once denied him of a shot and an opportunity. He goes back and asks his brothers, "Can y'all give me a shot? Can y'all give me an opportunity?" We like, nah, little bro, you can't play with us. We ain't gonna give you no shot. We ain't gonna give you no opportunity. And little bro will always say, "Well, you gotta give me a shot now. You gotta give me an opportunity now." We like, why well, we gotta give you a shot? He says, because daddy said, I can have a shot. Daddy said, I can have an opportunity. Daddy said, you got to let me play. Here's little KJ with enough sense that he was a victim of a system that denied him a shot and an opportunity. He had enough faith to go tell his father all about it. And his father gave him the power to go back and face the very system that denied him a shot. I don't know about you, but I thank God for our ancestors that in the midst of a system that denied them an opportunity and a shot. They had enough faith to take it to the father. Matter of fact, you are a testimony that when your family was falling apart, when your money was failing, when your job was going crazy, you had enough faith to take your problem to the father. And how many of you know, when you take your father's problem to the father, you'll discover that everything is going to be all right. Uh, tell your neighbor, that was a long intro. Uh, I told you why they prayed. But before we get out of here to go watch LeBron, can I tell you what happened when they prayed? Uh, when the church prayed, Peter found the strength to go to sleep in a stressful situation. The Bible says that Peter is chained between two guards. He's got two guards watching the front gate. And he has a trial the next day that will more than likely execute him and kill him. But with facing trials and in bondage, the church prayed so Peter went to sleep. Uh, and, and it's crazy to me because I'm asking the question, how could Peter sleep in a situation like this? Because if it was you or me, um, we wouldn't get no sleep that night. When our life on the line, we about to get executed the next day, chained between two guards with two guards outside, we ain't going to sleep that day. We pacing back and forth in the cell, we worrying, Filled with anxiety, stressed out, trying to figure out how we're going to get out of this situation. What's going to be my next move? But I love Peter because Peter understood that at this point, ain't nothing I can do about this. At this point, this situation is out of my control. At this point, I've already prayed about it. I've already talked to God about it. I've already given it to the Father. Now it's out of my control. So now I can just go to sleep even while I'm in a stressful situation. Matter of fact, that's a word that somebody needed to hear today because all week you ain't been getting no sleep. All week you've been stressed out. All week you gonna try to figure out how am I gonna get through this. Maybe God has you in this situation to trust in him because you know that your education won't get you out of this. Your money ain't gonna get you out of this. Your networking ain't gonna get you out of this. The only way for you to get up out of this thing is if God makes a move and if you trust God enough that God is gonna make a move you might as well just go to sleep because you know that everything is going to be all right. Wait a minute. Before I get too excited, can I tell you why Peter went to sleep? Peter went to sleep because Peter knew that the same God that helped me in the previous chapters of my life will be the same God that's going to help me in this chapter. Okay. Uh, I know that only 2% of us actually read our Bible so can I give you some Bible study real quick in Acts chapter 5 the Bible says that Peter and the apostles were preaching and teaching and the anointing was so strong on Peter they were healing folk and people were just coming to sit in the shadow of Peter and their sickness will be healed and they'll be healed and delivered from their diseases and the enemy was so upset that they arrested Peter and the apostles and threw them in the jail and the Bible says that an angel showed up while they were in jail, opened up the jail cell, Peter and the boys escaped prison, went back to the city, and kept preaching and teaching and healing folk. Ain't that crazy? Acts chapter 5, he've already experienced the great escape. Now, a few chapters later, here he is in the prison again. He ain't stressed out. He ain't worried about it. He ain't filled with anxiety because he knows that the same God that delivered me before is the same God that's going to do it again. And I can rest in the fact that I serve a God that has a history of delivering me from bondage. Matter of fact, I begin to believe that Peter had the spirit of the three Hebrew boys on him. He probably said to himself, even if God don't open the door, even if God doesn't set me free, even if God don't break the chains. Guess what? I'm still going to go to sleep because when you and I go to sleep in our situation, we're letting God know I'm taking my hands up off of it and I'm allowing God to put his hands up on it. Fist pump your neighbor and tell her, just go to sleep. This ain't the first time you've been sick. This ain't the first time your marriage went bad. This ain't the first time your child is acting a fool. But if you know that God did it before, you can go to sleep on the fact that God will do it again. Uh, Go to sleep. Because because, uh, the measurement of our faith is not always measured by how loud we sing and shout. It's not always measured by how many verses we memorized. It's not always measured by how long we can fast without eating a cheeseburger. It's not always measured by how strong our prayer life is, but the measurement of our faith is determined by how well you go to sleep in stressful situations. Matter of fact, The Bible is an indicator. It shows us that when you truly have faith in God, you can sleep regardless of what's going on around you. The Bible makes it clear that when Daniel got in trouble for his prayer life, the Bible says that the king threw him in the lion's den and put the stone over the den. The next day, the king was in the palace, couldn't get no sleep. He shows up to the den and Daniel was still alive and Daniel said, I've been sleeping all night with the lions because when you get Get right with God, God will give you the rest that you need, even in a dangerous situation. Was it it not David, who was on the run from King Saul, found himself in a low down dirty cave, but in the midst of the cave, dead David went to sleep on a rock because he discovered that every now and again, God will make you lie down, even in the cave. Because when you get it right with God, God will give you the strength to sleep in a stressful situation. Last week, Pastor already told us that Jesus was on the back of the boat in a storm with a pillow and a blanket, knocked out sleep. The disciples were so scared, they woke Jesus up. In the J. Johnson translation, I could imagine that Jesus woke up and said, what y'all fools waking me up for? You see me sleep. How come y'all can't go to sleep? Because when you grow and mature in your faith, you can adopt the disposition of Jesus and sleep while you're in the storm. I don't know about you, but after church is over, I'm going to go ahead and take a nap because I serve a God that'll fix it while I'm asleep. Don't you know that the Bible says God gives sleep to those that he loves? Don't you know that the Bible tells us that God never sleeps nor slumbers? So if God ain't never going to sleep, what good is it for me to be up all night? The one that got all the power should be up working the grave shift. So if God ain't going to sleep, I'm going to go ahead and get to sleep and when you wake up in the morning you'll discover that we may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning when you get up you'll discover that he that is with me is greater than he is in the world when you get up you'll discover wait a minute I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength turn to your neighbor fist pump him and tell him go to sleep wait a minute the church pray Peter went to sleep. And when the church prayed, here it is, when the church prayed, God began to move. And notice how God moves. An angel showed up. And when this angel showed up, the chains fell off. The doors flew open. They snuck past the guards. And and Peter was so knocked out, he thought it was a dream the whole time. He thought it was a vision. Because an angel showed up. And I wish I had time to work it. But every now and again, God will send angels. See, you've been saying amen this whole time until I dropped the word angel. Now you're acting all sophisticated like you don't believe in angels. Because we so enamored by Hollywood television and movies. We think that angels are white folks dressed in all white with white robes and white wings and white crowns. No. In biblical literature, the Bible makes it clear that angels... We're simply creatures and beings that have been in the presence of the Lord that speak the word of God, that do the work of God. And if all of us can be honest, we have made it out of certain situations because God sent an angel. An angel bailed me out of jail. An angel went before me in the courtroom. An angel paid for my lunch when I couldn't afford food. An angel paid for my tuition. An angel bought me some books. An angel helped me take care of my family. Have you ever experienced an angel? That's why Hebrews said, you better be careful how you treat folk because you may be entertaining an angel. And every now and again, God will send an angel to bring deliverance to his people. Wait a minute, I'm speaking through this thing. An angel showed up, Peter gets up out the prison And the Bible says that Peter didn't even know that this was happening in real life He thought it was a dream The chains fell off, the doors flew open Wait a minute, the Bible says that when they started walking to the gates The doors opened by itself They started walking, the doors opened I'm asking God, God, how come the doors weren't already open? Because you already know that you're about to free Peter. How come the doors weren't already open? And God says, I ain't going to open the door until you have enough faith to walk to the door. When you start walking, that's when God will begin to open doors. Peter walks, doors open. And the Bible says that it wasn't until Peter walked down the street, the angel left. And then Peter said, oh, my God. (laughs) That was the Lord that did that. King Herod had a plan. God had another plan. And it was the Lord that made a way. And we're going to stop right here because that's many of our testimonies that when we were in our mess, we were in our difficulties. We didn't know that the Lord was in it. It wasn't until we got up out of that thing look back over our life and realize wait a minute that was the lord that did that that was the lord that gave me peace in that divorce That was the Lord that gave me healing with my sickness. That was the Lord that provided a way out of that job, even though I got fired. You look back over your life and realize that it was the Lord that made that happen. I don't know about you, but every now and again, I need a flashback moment. I need some time to reflect, some time to think about all that I've been through. And when you reflect over your life, you'll realize that it was the Lord that made that happen. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible says that all of this happened during the Passover celebration. See, y'all know what the Passover celebration is, right? It's when the Hebrew people were in Egypt. The death angel came through to help set the people free. And when this death angel came through, violence took over the land. Crime took over the nation. There was a virus that went all over the land. Folk was dying everywhere. But the Hebrew people were still alive because they went home. Killed the lamb, put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And when the death angel came through, what took other folk out passed over their house. And they were able to experience freedom because when the death angel came, It passed over. And so now hundreds of years later, here is Peter and the people still reflecting over what God had done in their past and in their history. And Peter had to remind himself that the same God that kept my people in slavery is the same God that can bring me deliverance in the bondage that I'm facing. Y'all, every now and again, you and I need to have a flashback. You and I need to reflect not just what God has done For me as an individual, but what God has done for us as a people. That if God can provide a way out for our ancestors, don't you know that God can provide a way out for you? That through the segregation and slavery and Jim Crow and the lynchings and the police brutality, that could be nothing but God keeping us. And the same God that kept us in the past is the same God that will cover you to your destiny every now and again, you need to reflect that it wasn't your education that got you out, it wasn't your wife that got you out, it wasn't your co-worker that got you out, it wasn't your employer that helped you out, it was nothing but the grace of God that showed up on your life and gave you the victory that you was looking for, all because you had enough faith to take it to God in prayer. Is there anybody excited that you got free access to the presence of God that regardless of what you're going through, you can take it to God in prayer. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He'll hear your faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. Just a little talk with Jesus will make everything all right. That problem that I had, I just couldn't seem to solve. I tried and I tried, but I kept getting deeper involved. Then I turned it over to Jesus and I stopped worrying about it. I turned it over over to the lord has god worked it out for anybody was somebody in the room or to praise god that there's power in prayer everybody's staying all over the room